gorgeous Georgian goes, are you ready? Junkie Nation, are you ready? Well, let's get it on. From the fight capital of the world, Las Vegas, Nevada, this is MMA Junkie Radio. We roll it! What's going on, Junkie Nation? Gorgeous George and Goes are back here on a Sunday night for your Monday delivery. It's MMA Junkie Radio for an hour or so. Lots to discussing. One championship making its debut on Amazon Prime. That was cool. I do have to admit that on a Friday night. Finally watching one championship. That's Friday night watching one championship. Oh, excuse me. That might have been me. That was really, really cool. I enjoyed it. We'll go over that card, the big fights there. And, of course, one championship, 160, which was the card earlier that morning on Friday via the One app, which links to their YouTube, along with all the latest news in mixed martial arts. We'll talk about that. Plus, we got to look forward to the UFC headed towards Paris, France. Lots and lots to discuss. MMA Junkie Radio on a Sunday night for your early Monday delivery. All right, goes. I suppose we can get to it, man. You know, the first show of the weekend was one championship, one sixty Lee versus Tang, and because there's two Lees, not because I'm trying to pop off. Uh, sorry, Lee versus OK. Uh, because there's two Lees, I'll go over what I mean here. Christian Lee was challenging Rai Yoon OK for the lightweight title over at one championship. As you recall, Lee was the champ before OK took the title from him. This was a rematch. We also had a co-main event of Tan Tan Lee defending against Kai Tang and uh, a few other nice matches that included some Muay Thai and some MMA. But focusing on the two main main fights, meaning the co-main and main event, goes both champions, man, get their straps taken away. Yeah, a nice finish in the main event. But, dude, how about, like, in the co-main event, man, the way... uh, Tan had been talking like he just seemed so cool, calm, and collective. It didn't really go his way. Like I, I, it was surprising. Yeah, I agree. Kai Tang is your new champion, fighting out of China. He defeats Tan Lee, and now he's the new La featherweight champion out at one championship. Now, just to avoid confusion, folks, remember that they uh, have hydrated weights. So you may see uh, them call it a lightweight title when, in fact, in relations to what we talk about here in North America, which is a weigh-in of 145, and then you can fight it whatever you want, theirs is a little bit different, but they're basically classified as featherweights. So Kai Tang is your new champion. He defeats Tan Lee. They went 25 minutes, and the decision went to Kai Tang. Congrats to Kai Tang. Um, We had been saying, goes if you recall in the lead-up, this ain't going to the judges. This is going to end quick. That didn't happen. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. But you know what? Like, you got to give that guy his props, dude. Uh, he talked a crazy amount of smack, probably even going over the line. But he backed it up. What are you going to do, right? Now he's one of them personalities. Some people are going to respect him for the way he fought out there, which is pretty damn impressive. 
or they're going to hate them, but people are going to be tuning in, right? And that's, I think, what mm-hmm. you want at the end of the day. That's what one championship probably wants. They want those types of personalities uh, to resonate there with their audience. So that was a win-win for me, or for them, I think. I would agree with that. And guess what? Kai Tang, only 26 years of age, so plenty of time for him to continue to get better and, of course, for him to continue fighting under the one championship banner. Tanley, no disrespect, but, you know, he probably has a few fights left in him. It'll be interesting to see if he can get his title back, but he is 36 years of age. We also noted that in the interview that we did with Tan Lee on MMA Junkie Radio earlier in the week, and he knew it. He knew it, but he was hoping that experience would uh, help carry him through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, not, not in this fight. I mean, he was just, honestly, I felt like he was just slower. It was really, it was coming to both crack hard, but he was just slower. Yeah. Ryun okay, uh came up short against Christian Lee. Christian Lee was able to finish him via punches and knees. It was a TKO in the second round of their fight. Christian Lee is phrasing it as round seven of their 10-round fight. If you'll recall, the first fight went, uh, the first fight had OK beating Christian Lee, taking a controversial decision, at least in the minds of Christian Lee. I mean, maybe a few others, but he won the fight. And so that's why Christian Lee is saying, well, hold on a second. He didn't finish me. So the fight continues. I finished him. This is the end of it. I know, goes. you have an opinion on one finish versus one decision. Usually that can be sort of a tiebreaker, like the away goals in Champions League soccer or something like that. Okay, I'm sure we'll see it differently. He'll see it as I beat you once, you beat me once. Let's do the trilogy. And I have a feeling one championship will probably want to do that. But I gotta admit, when Lee was first saying it, I was thinking, hmm, how's he gonna how's he gonna you know present this case? <laughs> but but he did pretty good. I think honestly, if things end up that way. So both guys have retired or one guy went into a different division or whatever, and you needed to figure out who was better. You go with the guy that got the finish. That's how you decide it. But if two guys are still active and one guy beat the other guy uh, by finish, you still do the third fight. That's how you decide the third fight. You only go to how did the fights end if you have no access to a third fight. So like if Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz were to never fight again, you would say Nate Diaz got the best of Conor McGregor because he finished him. It took a referee having to pull him off to stop him from killing him. In the other fight, it took the judges to go, hmm, okay, us three believe that this guy beat that guy. But in this particular case, they can fight a third time. So you got to do the third fight to figure it out. Yeah. And I think Christian Lee knows it. And, you know, because one championship, we love them. They're a major organization. We call them that. And they're fun to watch. And hopefully the new eyeballs that saw them later on that evening on Amazon Prime, because this show was on YouTube, hopefully the the hardcores mixed with the new audience saw that. I love the ramp. I love the screen in the back. I love the production. I love the introductions of the fighters prior to the event even beginning with a you know with competition there's a lot i like like about one championship but much like we say about bellator and pfl the depth isn't just there to be able to really look at other options 
even Eddie Alvarez goes, who we all love, who has won major titles in Bellator and the UFC. His run at one championship is one, two, and a no contest. So even there, it's like, God, we'd love to feature him, right? And maybe they just will because, hey, that's what we signed him for. He's 38 years of age. He's a former champ. That's just the way things work. Okay, you know, but he's not coming in, like I said, with some sort of a winning streak at all. Um, that, that That's why, like I said, there's there's just not much depth. We'll see. I think Christian Lee's just going to have to bite the bullet on this one, and but they'll have to fight again. That's what's different about combat sports in Asia. They just want a compelling matchup. They just want a good matchup. They don't care about records all that much as much as we do in the United States, right? That's why you see guys like, Sakuraba and Rampage fight three times or or Vanderlei Silva, right? Like, they just want a good fight. They don't care how many times this guy be that guy or what. Just give us something good. We're all going to cheer. So that's where they do have that advantage where you can throw in an Eddie Alvarez and the fans are just as stoked to see him. Um, now, you can't you can't do that all day. You know, eventually, yeah, if people keep winning, you got to give them their fights. But, but they have uh, done that in the past, and I expect – I just don't see them kind of giving Eddie Alvarez somebody uh, too low in the picking order just because it's the right thing to do over there. I think they look at things differently, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, they did give him a shot. Yeah, it may work out that way. We'll see. And, of course, later on that evening was the debut of one championship on Pro- on Amazon Prime. And this event was called One on Prime Video 1, Marias versus Johnson 2, because it was a rematch of the fight they had in April of 2021 when, um, when uh, I almost said Marlon Marias, Adriano Marias defeated uh, Demetrius Johnson via a vicious knee knockout. Well, guess what? DJ evens the score. Granted, there was a nice right cross that started the damage and the, the beginning of the end for Adriano Marias. But how about DJ goes kind of running up on him in slow motion and it's almost like as he saw his victim falling backwards from the uh from the shot you know from the cross he it just seemed like i i want to pay you back with the knee and he did mm-hmm. yeah that's i like the way you described it it's like he saw everything in slow motion because mm-hmm. he was just creeping 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 waiting for his shot and um remember this is a dude that spent most of his career at the very very top and people not almost feeling, almost seeming uh, foolish when they brought up any reason why he wasn't the number one fighter. Not it could have even been pound for pound, but let alone in his division. This is a dude that's been on the top for a very long time. So now that he's fallen a little bit from there, I think he didn't like it. You know, and I think he really took this camp seriously and he fought a really he fought a different fight. He looked different. His speed is still there. His power is still there. He can still be a good fighter. Uh, so, yeah, good victory for him and people who tuned into one championship for the first time. You kind of got to see the little differences in uh, in one championship and can maybe understand where people come from when they say the pride days, that was legit. And one championship can be kind of brutal from time to time. There were a couple strings of just some nasty-ass KOs when you mix in the Muay Thai and all that. <laughs> it can be fucking brutal over there, but... Uh, but it's fun, dude. It really is. Yeah, kicks on the ground, knees on the ground, four ounce gloves mm-hmm. with Muay Thai uh, fighters. I mean, like it is pretty, pretty violent out there in Singapore, where both events took place. Um, all right, so Jit Jit Moon Yong defeated Michael Savas. 
However, it wasn't Rod Tang Jit Moon Young who defeated him. It was Pan Payak Jit Moon Young defeating Savas Michael. Uh, Rod Tang had to pull out. He got sick late in the week, and that was unfortunate. Rod Tang was the gentleman that lost to Demetrius Johnson in the hybrid MMA Muay Thai rules matchup uh, a few months ago. So it's almost like I've accepted him as an MMA fighter once he competed, even if it was that one round in MMA. That's that's a ballsy thing to do against one of the all-time greats in our sport, as as was DJ, you know, obviously starting off when, under the Muay Thai rules with him. Uh, Marcus Buchecha, who was a guest on MMA Junkie Radio, he defeated Kirill Grishenko. Boy, uh, I hope he's okay because he slapped on a vicious mean heel hook there early in the first round. And uh, you know how those can go, man. Sometimes they can really, really damage the knee, but congrats to Buchecha. That was cool. I mean, he went in. That's his specialty, right, the ground game, and he implemented it first opportunity got, and he got the victory. Uh, still probably some question marks still out there, like what would he really be like, you know, against some of the top guys and and uh, maybe the fight going a little bit longer. But the, what do you want the guy to do, man? That's what he does best. He comes out and he does it. I think it's a good win for him. And then, you know, obviously kind of uh, sad in the post-fight yeah. uh, speech. Uh, but, hey, man, you know, th- this is a monster, dude. This is a kid that if he could really put everything else together, he could he could maybe have one of them runs like a Frank Mir, right? Where Frank Mir came in. We all knew him as a submission specialist. And he grew to wrestle. He grew to strike. And uh, he eventually won a title. So you never know. Maybe this could be one of those cats. Yeah, exactly. And so for, he comes from the BJJ community. And if you recall, like, First week in August, um, Leandro Lowe was shot in Brazil uh, at some concert in Sao Paulo. I think you guys saw a lot of MMA fighters paying tribute to him. Lots of the ones that have trained under Leandro Lowe, who's been, a, like I say, one of the beasts of submission grappling, a la Uchecha and uh, Rodolfo Vera and Gordon Ryan. and uh, These are top, top-level guys. And that's uh, who he was dedicating the fight to. So congrats to Buchecha. And I did want to say something about the previous fight right before it, too. That Amir, Amir Alekbari, he handled that Mario Sanelli guy pretty good, man. These were some two big cats. But that crucifix looks like it reminded me goes of, like, uh, Tom Erickson or Mark Kerr, you know, like in the early days. We're like, take that. You ain't getting out of this one. I, I think that's the fight I was telling you where, like, you need to – really consider stopping the spice soon because this could be brain damage land you know mm. like these are hard shots this head was bouncing up off the mat it had happened in a previous round so you kind of have an inclination of he's probably not going to get out of this because he didn't the first time uh that uh, was a pretty pretty brutal fight to watch was that the one with herb dean i believe so yeah because i remember going i think herb heard goes because literally after goes said it maybe like within two three seconds they stopped it and uh, shout out to, I guess, the magnitude of the event. You know, I don't, I don't know how this works where one championship may have lined this up, you know, months ago. If you recall, one championship had a big press conference in L.A. Um, and I don't know if they took the time to chat with Herb or what they did. But, you know, I, when I saw Herb Dean on Amazon Prime Video, something just told me 
like this event is kind of like another level of what one championship is trying to do. You know, not to disparage mm-hmm. what they've done in the past because they've had they've had some great events, but it looked like there was some like this like this communication to the North American audience that by having a top official at our event, this is a top event, you know, that and that's why he's here. And, and I know maybe I'm reaching here or whatever, but I, if I reacted that way, I, I know a casual fan has to be going, Oh shit, like this must be a big title fight, you know, and now you now you want to learn more about one championship. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the magnitude of what they do out there is uh, it's pretty amazing. And the splashes that they've had in the USA and now Amazon Prime, it was fun. It, they picked a perfect weekend to do it, I'll tell you that. If they had to go up against the UFC or even a Bellator or a PFL, I don't know that that many people really sit down and tune in, especially with college football and then pro football coming around the corner. Like, this was the perfect time to strike. And they got you and me. You know, we sat down, we, we put it up on the TV, and we watched, and um, I'm glad we did, man. I, I, that was a really good event. Yeah, and you know, I was supposed to be at the modern-day Bishop Gorman game, the number two and the number six teams in the nation in high school football here in Las Vegas, literally 15 minutes away. But it was a hot day. We had we had a long, extensive day doing some uh, some car shopping. And in the end, I mean, I was, I'm on record. I was still down to shower it up, go, and and do it but uh, a buddy of mine came across some plans that um were i knew i wasn't leaving them hanging so i got to watch it at home and also watch one championship and it was cool i was into both of them goes goes can attest to it man as dj and and uh, marias were fighting i was like okay it's third down you know it's 21 21 all right mm-hmm. dj i think he may have won that right well actually marias i remember him winning the first two and then dj starting the comeback Marius is starting to slow down, but as that's happening, things are happening in the fourth quarter. Man, what a fun Friday night. Yeah, it was great. KSI knocked out Swarms. No, I'm just kidding. No, but did you hear about uh, people get mad, man? They always get mad at Jake Paul enough, uh, enough but there was a these YouTubers, that KSI guy, the one that fought Logan Paul, he mm-hmm. knocked out two dudes. One was another YouTuber, and the other one was... Um, an actual pro boxer so he can say he fought a pro boxer before jake paul although he was two and five goes i i just happened to come across the footage it's he was complaining to the ref when he would get punched and i don't understand why because what do you think you're in there for you know you're supposed to punch ksi and he's supposed to punch you it was a disaster but if you just read the headline it sounds like this ksi is some vicious ko artist in the world of boxing no, he looked pretty good, but yeah, you're right. I mean, he spun the dude all the way around like Mike Tyson's punch out style it was crazy. Yeah, I was dying what combat sports has come to. I don't know if this is an embarrassment for boxing or if they think maybe these guys are doing a a lift, you know, in a sense, bringing in new fans because young kids are influenced, you know, and and when they are and if they enjoy it, then they um, then there's a good chance they may st- they may stay. So it could be that KSI. And the Paul brothers have actually ushered in a few fans. Maybe, yeah, could be. To be fair, right? And look, there was no UFC, so that's why Goes and I are also talking about some of the other stuff that went on this weekend. BKFC 28, that happened. Christine Ferreira, Ferreira, sorry, defeated Taylor Starling in the main event. It ended in the first round, 47 seconds. Boy, that bare knuckles, no mercy, man. I mean, Starling's face was messed up. Ferreira, something else. She's 39 years old, goes, but she's doing really well over at BKFC. I think she's got four or six wins, which is a lot in the BKFC world. Yeah, and they've had a few of those fights where it's just, you know, 30, 40 seconds. 
I think John Dodson was another one, right? Like 43 seconds or something yeah. like that. Um, so it can be pretty brutal over there too, man. But uh, it's become interesting. And for what they charge, dude, like, how do you not watch that? Like sometimes I, I'm me. I get that. Uh, but I go back to what, maybe what I was like 15 years ago, 20 years ago. And for $5, you tell me two guys are about to go in there and go bare knuckle. And I don't give a fuck. Here's my five bucks. I'd say, here's 10. Give me some more fights. Like that. It's great, dude. It is. One day it will go up to 10, which would be doubling its price, but it'd still be one hell of a bargain. They were in New Mexico. And frankly, I'm not sure if after 28 shows they've been to New Mexico. I know they've been to Wyoming and Mississippi and Florida and overseas, but they were in New Mexico for this one. Freya defended her belt. This is the 125 pound title, which I'm not sure what it's called. That's why I don't want to say flyweight or whatever and just assume it, but it was a title defense for her. She's 6-1 and one overall. Taylor Starling was 3-0 and oh in the BKFC banner, so this was her first loss. Later on, they embraced, wished each other well. Starling was obviously uh, very, very emotional, and I thought Ferrer was a great champion. I don't know if anybody caught that. And the, uh, the irony to this is that when they were, um, when they were facing off pre-fight, they almost started you know, button heads and Starling was in her face. And I, I was telling goes that's, that's right down BKFC's alley. That's how they get down. Mm-hmm. And they got quite a few of those, you know, they have a lot of those, a lot. Now that I think about it, a lot of those types of personalities. So that's what makes things fun. And that's the thing is like, you know, at the UFC, you have so much invested You know, what, what's this guy's rank. What have his last three fights been like with BKFC, dude, all you need is just a little bit of that footage. And you're in. You don't give a fuck where this person came from, what they did. Let's just see what happens here, man. Yeah, exactly. We asked the president of BKFC about it, Dave Feldman, and he had this this uh, sly look on his face, a smile like, "Yeah, you got, yeah, okay." You know, like you got you. He caught him with his hand in the cookie jar. Definitely wasn't denying it, and basically was admitting it. He kind of loves that shit. So do I, to, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um. All right, so, you know, that's how that went down with one championship having their two Friday shows, BKFC having a Saturday show. And, of course, aside from that, we also had some news in the UFC world. Now I'm going to retrace all the way back to Tuesday goes after Dana White Contender Series, which, by the way, they're halfway through that season. Five shows out of ten have been done. Five contracts were given out, and I think we said that on Thursday's show. But uh, Colby Covington, he says he's um, he's looking to match him up, you know, in a in a fight. Have you thought about that? I I, I can't remember if we discussed it because we had the two guests, Franklin and, and Melendez. But um, have you thought about it over the weekend? I mean, Masvidal, it looks like he's kind of taking his foot off the brakes in terms of Edwards. He probably knows he's not going to get that. It's going to be Edwards versus uh, Usman. We know Shemayev has Diaz. I suppose Shemayev will want the winner of Edwards versus Usman. And, or maybe he'll even go and be the sub or who knows. Gilbert Burns, you know, he's out there. I could see that one versus Colby Covington making sense. Uh, unless Masvidal says, all right, I'll take the Burns fight. What, what, what do you think shakes out? I think that's what makes the most sense, Gilbert Burns. But had this news maybe come out a little sooner for the matchmakers, I think Bilal Muhammad would have been the guy that they'd want to match him up against because Bilal is a guy that has been pretty vocal about just flat-out hating Colby Covington. And uh, 
I mean, come on, that stuff sells, you know, and that, that and it, I just think that would have been the fight to make, but unfortunately he's already had, he already has an opponent, so that ain't going to happen. So probably Gilbert Burns, I would imagine. Um, I don't know, Jeff Neal looked pretty good in his last fight. Jeff but. Neal, that's who I was thinking. He beat Luke A, and <laughs> I don't think he looked pretty damaged coming out of that fight. Muhammad's fighting Brady and Abu Dhabi. So Kies is on the shelf, I think, with a shoulder injury or something like that, I read. So of that pairing, Masvidal versus Burn. We can't do Masvidal versus Covington. We just did it. So do you like pairing Masvidal with Burns or Masvidal with Neil and then Covington versus Burns or Covington versus Neil? Seems like out of that fearsome foursome, those are the ones that pair up. Probably. Uh, I actually like Covington. Or sorry, I like Masvidal and Neil, I think would be a fun fight. Okay. And Covington versus Burns. Yeah. Now, stylistically, that would probably be the most pleasing because Covington, the wrestler against Burns, the jiu-jitsu guy, I know they're all well-rounded. I get it. But uh, Masvidal, you know how he hates the crotch sniffers. That's the, you know, in quotes. So him facing Muhammad, Muhammad loves the wrestle. We said he can't fight Covington because Covington, they just fought. So him versus a guy who likes to throw hands like uh, Jeff Neal, Seems right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think that would work out pretty well. Yeah, and I don't think anyone wants to start looking at Pajeda and Shavkat. I mean, props to those guys. I really, really do like them. And eventually, they're going to take that next step, and they're slowly creeping in. But uh, I mean, Wonder Boy Thompson's out there, but Mazdal already fought him. I mean, I'm sure Mazdal yeah. would love to get it back, but I, I just think that if Maz if is just asking Edwards to fight for a title, and it's not going to happen because of the possible trilogy then Masvidal needs to fight someone who at least gets him closer to it, right? That's someone that's kind of in that same mix, and that's why I like this quartet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it works. it's what works best. Yeah. Cain Velasquez has a case coming up, goes, or wait. Uh, uh, no. I think another hearing, right? A hearing, yeah. I got to get all my terms straight here. And so the this is what's called a pre-trial hearing. And the big one is on September 26th. Easy to remember my birthday. I think I said this on one of the episodes back. However, he is due back on Monday. So tomorrow, folks, by the time some of you hear this, some of this might have already gone down. Keep an eye on MMA Junkie. Nolan King has been covering this pretty good. Um, But he is due back on Monday for an uh, in-camera hearing. And... Remember, what they're trying to do on the Velasquez side is just get this guy home. They are trying. They keep appealing to get bail, and the judge keeps saying no bail. So with no bail, that means he stays in prison until all this gets sorted out. But there's a great article done by Nolan Keene that kind of talks a little bit about what is happening in this case as we get closer. Velasquez is pleading no guilty. So is uh, the other guy, Gularte is his name. He's saying he's pleading no guilty in his case of the allegations of, um, uh, I guess it's uh, allegedly molesting Cain Velasquez's son. And that's out now, now, folks. It's it's no longer a family member. It's his four-year-old son. Um, so he's saying no, not guilty to that. Um, so keep an eye on that if this case interests you because it is pretty much a big deal. The Velasquez side has assigned Mark Garagos 
who's a noted attorney in high profile cases. He's handling his case. What when I read the article, what I did see goes is that he says he's got some surprises up his sleeve, including having Cain Velasquez testify. And when Cain Velasquez does take the stand, he says a lot of surprises are going to come out. And he wants to do this. He wants to communicate, I imagine, to the jury and to the court of public opinion at home. The rarity here being that most times the defense usually doesn't allow the accused to to do that. Um, now, on the other side, I believe you have the, the, the son who's accused, so Gularte and his stepfather and his stepmother. They don't want them to take the stand and the other two, I guess it would be the, the stepfather and the, and the mother, are pleading the fifth. So, like, they're not offering much in terms of, you know, like, their side of it. They're not the defense because the, in this in this instance, they're the they're the prosecution. Um, but anyway, it's all kind of broken down in the article. If you want to take a look, it, it's an update that was done by Nolan King where he kind of breaks it down a little bit. But anybody, I guess, is Team MMA, Team King Velasquez, or you're just interested, check it out and you'll get the latest of what's going on. But there, there, there will be a hearing tomorrow as they lead to the pretrial on September 26th. Well, it's funny you bring this up because I wanted to actually pitch this as a topic on spinning back click. Mm-hmm. Good idea for him to testify or bad idea? Good idea. Because I think that he can I think of the jury, there will be you know, all 12 have to be basically um in agreement that of the 10 or 12 10 or 11 felonies you know that that come up that he's guilty right and but i think he can appeal to anyone that may have ever been close to something like this to parents and i think by stating his case of hey i lost it you all would have done the same thing maybe not to that degree but in the sense that you want to hurt somebody you want to hurt the party that hurt the people you love I think that's where he can be successful. Now, granted, that will take a lot of restraint. Um, and so I imagine they will work with him on this so that you get your point across, but also don't say something you might regret. Because let's not forget, when he shot the bullets, uh, he did injure the stepfather, the stepfather. So in reading this case, this is why it was so interesting to me. I may have missed this in May. Um I want to give a shout out to our team. We put so many stories up. You just missed some. But in May, Nolan had given an update. And I didn't see the link that showed, I guess the guy got shot on the bicep, right? The inside of his arm. And he's got a nasty scar there. So apparently some arteries and some nerves were hit. And so that's what the prosecution is going to say. Like, I'm not the offending party. He hit an innocent person who was taking this guy to get the ankle restraint. If you recall, that's the story. This high-speed chase guy is coming at us who's a professional fighter. So right away, King Velasquez is just scary. Forget about the gun. He's just a scary guy. And he's chasing him for seven miles, but then he fires these bullets. Well, he hurts the guy right here. Could have killed him, obviously. Didn't, but he could have. And now that guy's saying, because of it, I can't uh, can't resume being a a truck driver. I I don't have the strength, and I can't pass the tests required to do this. So it's kind of complicated because there's I I think there's going to be a civil case from that party to, towards King Velasquez. So a lot of things are, are, are intertwined here. 
I, I'm going to say bad idea. Okay. Um, I think it. I think there are some good things that can happen, but I feel like a, a trained attorney who already knows how to push buttons, he's going to be sticking his knife in probably one of the deepest wounds that you can imagine a human being having to go through, right? And I just don't know how Cain Velasquez will answer one question, and that's, would you do it again? You know? I, I just don't know, man. I, he had plenty of time to think about what he was doing. So I think there are a lot of people in this world that when you cross certain lines, they'll just tell you, I don't give a fuck. I did it. I would do it again. You know, and a lot of you would think that way. I don't I don't know if he has the restraint to say, no, sir, ma'am, I've learned my lesson. Because those are tough words to say when a lot of people feel you were right. And a lot of people may have actually done the same thing you did. That's a tough one. So I don't know. That's where you have to have very a lot of control. And as an attorney, you have to understand your client. And I don't know how close these guys are or what, but uh, scary situation. And I don't know what kind of access his, his defense team has to him. Ten minutes a day, an hour a day. I know came, I know. I saw an interview over the weekend where Habib Nurmagomedov was being interviewed by a Russian outlet. So I think this was overseas. But the, the topic of Cain Velasquez came up, and he was stating that he only gets to talk like six or seven minutes per day, and he usually, usually uses it for his family. But um, he has spoken to him. So, again, getting back to the access, I imagine his team would have to be super confident, underline, 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 leave no doubt that if, they, if Kane is in that position, he will be, I hate to say trained to respond in a certain way, but basically, um, like you said, have the restraint to to answer it in the way in which it, it wouldn't um, jeopardize them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've heard your arguments, Richard, a few others, Richard Hunter from Triple G Show. Uh, I still stand by, I just... I mean, I, I realize he did something bad in that sense. He could have killed that old man. But, you know, Garagos was kind of almost hinting towards that the stepfather and mother might have been aware of what was going on. So, you know, we're, I guess at this point, to be correct and fair, they are innocent and they have yet to be proven guilty, right? But if what hint, Garagos is hinting at, and this is maybe some of the surprises that are supposed to come out, who knows what people will be thinking, you know, that, that that maybe there was three monsters in that car, not just one. Who knows? Again, court of public opinion, I think most of us say that um, an ass whooping would have been sufficient, shooting guns and, and all that. Well, you know, that's obviously the taking it further. But uh, I think in the end goes, Cain Velasquez, A, won't have to be up for all 12, 10 to 12 felonies. I think, did you know that if he gets... If all of them he's found guilty of, it's a minimum of 20 years, and it could be up to life. I just think some of those charges will be dismissed, and then the big one will obviously be him shooting um, that man. And uh, I, you know, maybe maybe a couple of the others. I imagine the one of recklessly driving for seven miles. Um, you know, there'll, there'll be a few that will be hard to get away from, but minimum 20 years, man, all the way to to life that could be really really bad if if this doesn't go his way yeah what are your thoughts on robert whitaker 
wanting to move the light heavyweight at some point. Did you see that? My thoughts are that I had to read it two times just to make sure I didn't make a mistake. I think I tweeted this, but just looking at it right away, um, he looks like he would be incredibly undersized yeah. at light heavyweight. I mean, Izzy was a bigger man than him, and you could tell the difference when Izzy went up. So right. for Robert Whitaker to do that, I, you can ask me, I think it's insane. Um, if anything, if there's any room to go, I would say, shit, get a Mike Dolce on the line and see if he can't, you know, maybe maybe you're not <laughs> old enough. Maybe get that frame down to 170. I don't know, but what? Oh, 205, man, come on. Well, he came through the reality show, The Ultimate Fighter, when they had Canada versus um, Australia. Or wait, was it UK? It was UK versus Australia in 2012. He won that as a welterweight. And when he moved up, I mean, he had a successful run as a middleweight. Started off 8-0, then became the champ. His overall record is obviously very, very impressive. 23-6 overall, 14-4 in the UFC. Two of the losses are to Israel Adesanya. But for the most part, this cat's gotten down. Oh, those two losses, I think, were at were at welterweight. But as a middleweight, he's been a stud. The only problem is, again, the two losses to Israel Adesanya. But to that, I would say this goes. Max Holloway got a third shot against um Volkanovsky, you know, I think if you impress enough, they what thought are they he do? won that fight though. Well, but the last one was close. You know, the last one there was some people that were saying they thought Whitaker won, not as strong as the as, as Holloway pleaded. But I guess my point is that um it happened, you know, and I remember there was one time where Dana was warming up to Tito versus Chuck three. That sure as hell didn't end close, neither time for Tito, but kind of like you reach a point where enough is kind of enough and something has to happen. Amanda Nunes is 2-0 against Valentina Shashenko. So it's it's not impossible. Yeah, but moving up to 205, I guess he said he would do it by adding strength and bulk. But yeah, man, the size, you can't get away from that. Rockhole and Weidman are two tall, lanky middleweights. Uh, so they had kind of the height, but they still looked overwhelmed by the big 205ers. And yeah, Israel Adesanya and, and, and Jan Bulak, Lahovich, it really looked like a, you know, um, an offensive line coach and the punter, you know, getting into it at practice or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we shall see. But I think when someone's reached the level of being a world champion, it, it's at least fair to listen them out, right? Most people would be like, get the fuck. You, know, you don't even listen to them. But a Robert Whitaker, I had to at least listen and see what he had to say. Yeah. I mean, unless part of your argument is, guess what? I grew a couple inches. I, I, I don't see it happening. I mean, I mean, I, yeah, he can be there, but I don't see him being successful. I, I used to always think he could go back to one seventy just because of his stature, but mm-hmm. he says no way, no way, no way. At least in the article I read, he made it sound like no way. Yeah, Dolce's a game changer for sure. I've heard no way in the past. Hell, dude. Who used to think that you could take 10 pounds off a shredded Jose Aldo? Jose Aldo used to entertain maybe going up to 55. He just wound up as a bantamweight. Who used to think in their right mind that you could get 10 pounds off Edson Barbosa? You know, and he went down to featherweight. So, I, I, you know, you've seen some strange things happen in this sport. That's for sure. 
Um, speaking of going back down in weight, Henry Cejudo says he would go down to flyweight for a third shot at Demetrius Johnson. Demetrius Johnson says he would fight his former foe. Now it appears they're friends. They have been training partners. And I did see a video where Cejudo looks sincere in his joy and happiness for Demetrius Johnson's win. He was doing a video, kind of like a fight companion or a watch along, I should say like what we do of, of uh, the event, and it was him and Mark Madsen, but he looked really, really pumped over the weekend. It looked like Demetrius shot him back a, a FaceTime and very complimentary of each other, but they did say for the right amount of money this could happen. Here's the problem, girls, is one guy's in one, and the other one's still not even done returning to the UFC. I think he's going through that six-month protocol still. So should we even spend more time talking about this? I don't think it would happen. Uh, Demetrius seems pretty happy where he's at right now. And, um, you're right. We still got to see what happens with Henry Cejudo. If you're, if you're going to attach his name to anything right now, I mean, fuck a month ago, when we talking about possibly Volkanovsky, like him going up that high, like I doubt, uh, I doubt he'd go this low. I think Bantamweight is where he should go. And I think that's where he will go. But, uh, it's fun to talk about, but yeah, I don't, I don't see it happening. Even if they get past all, all the barriers. Because remember, like this would have to be in the UFC, right? DJ, um, you know, he's used to the, the weight process over there at one championship. You'd have to figure out as you get older, it's difficult to kind of hit weight like that. I don't know, man. That that just seems like a lot. I imagine that when Henry retired, his UFC, you know, he turned in his paperwork. He retired, got out of the the pool, but the UFC still had a contract. So the, anybody that thinks, well, why didn't Henry just go to one championship? doesn't always work that way. If the contract is over, it's over. But if you're still under contract when you retire, if you come back years later, you're still under contract. And I imagine that's why Cejudo wouldn't have been able to go down to one championship and get that fight done. But there was once a trade between Demetrius Johnson, sorry, the UFC and one championship. The UFC sent Demetrius Johnson to one championship. One championship sent Ben Askren to the UFC. And we can we can argue who got the best of who on another occasion. Hell, we might even do that in spinning back like tomorrow. But that did happen once. And if the UFC was open to it again, and so was one championship, that'd be tough, man, because one championship would be the sending their champ. Oof. I mean, think about what one championship would be asking from the UFC if they were to send Demetrius Johnson back. Well, what would one championship want? John Jones. Hey, UFC, you haven't been able to do shit with John Jones. Send him him and we'll send you Demetrius. I don't know. Uh they would want see, I don't think it's I don't think Cejudo Johnson at flyweight is a big enough fight. First of all, Demetrius said he'll never weigh in at 125. So he's a hydrated flyweight, which means he's sustaining a 135 weight year round. And now when you're talking about 135, then you either have to pay these guys a lot of money to hydrate down or throw them in there as contenders at 35 where Sterling is at the top. So, yeah, you're not going to send them John Jones, but you might send them. Who else is disgruntled goes? I guess this, this would have been a great time for Nate Diaz, but he's about to fight. <laughs> um, definitely not Connor. Cyborg would have been nice in the day when they kind of had a parting in the ways with her. Mm-hmm. Um, who else is kind of in a doghouse? You think of anyone? No, not really. It's got to be a decent name, remember. 
What if no Masvidal's a pay-per-view star? Because I was just gonna say Masvidal's not near a title shot, but he is a pay-per-view star. Covington? Covington's wow. 0-2 against Usman, but now things cleared up. Whitaker? Hey, you're talking about going to light heavyweight oh, okay. middleweight over there at one championship. It's near you, dog. Australia's close to Singapore. Somebody to fight Angela Lee, maybe something like that. Right? Or Christian. Joanna? <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, um, they talked about it. I, I just think it's cool that two former guys that are 1-1 one, one on each other, two all-time greats, have kind of been each other's fans mm-hmm. in these last few weeks. Did you see the watch-along? It, lo- it looked genuine, right, that that Cejudo was yeah. yeah. kind of like a, a multi-personality guy, and but he was saying this, this isn't Triple C. This isn't King of Cringe. I'm really extremely happy for um, Demetrius Johnson. I believe them. Just to close things out here, this weekend is, so we'll start with the week. We got Dana White Contender Series. And then we have the UFC visiting Paris. Five weeks in, your thoughts on the Dana White Contender Series? Uh, If I had to give it a report card, you cannot hate on five fights, okay? Middle of the week, great. Let's watch them. What I am going to shit on is the process. The process has almost turned me off because I can't predict it anymore. I have no idea what's going on. I've seen too many good fighters get turned down and too many poor fighters get contracts. And unless you're just going to commit to having a way bigger roster, I don't know how that's going to work because you're going to have to start cutting people. I haven't been happy at the end of these weeks where they're like, five contracts, five contracts. I haven't seen talent to that level. I'd even argue that that the talent in that wouldn't even make it into uh, another show. Like I I honestly uh, have been probably more upset with Dana White's Contender Series than I have been happy with it so far. Yeah, it is frustrating. I will never complain about fights on a Tuesday. The one time I went this year was a blast. Hope to get in there again. And the other four seasons before the pandemic were an absolute hoot. I went to basically all of them, maybe missed one or two per season, but cannot complain, man. 15 minutes away, especially now in the air-conditioned apex, love it. But, yeah, it's frustrating trying to figure it out. Um. It is his show. His name's all over it. Sometimes his logic is just skewed. But when you started thinking back at some, I, don't you remember Dan Ige didn't qualify? Remember he won, but they didn't give it to him? Mm-hmm. Kevin Holland, he had a big mouth. He didn't finish. Brendan Lochnane, oh, yeah. he did, he. What did he do? He went for a takedown, I think, was his thing. And then this season's controversy, Bo Nickel. Oh, yeah, the opposition, you know, um, can't be going in at 1-0. Or actually, he was 2-0 after that fight. But the opposition was 3-0. What are you supposed to do? Put them in against someone that's 9-0? The, the commission might go, no. It's not evil, even matchmaking. So that's a whole deal. And I bet you there's about three others we could think of that came from Dana White Contender Series who initially won and didn't get in. I know there's a list out there. I've seen it before. And I, you know, I know so. I know Ige was one for sure. So they don't even get it right. They're not perfect scouts is what I'm saying. 
Even in the NFL, there's a guy that goes, man, that guy runs a 4-3. He was the captain of his football team at Northwestern or USC or Washington or whatever. And so he's got a good head on his shoulders. And he can bench press 225, uh, 41 times. Draft him. Next thing you know, that guy gets drafted and he's injury prone or he misses tackles or what. Even the NFL scouts get it wrong. Sorry, the UFC, the matchmakers, and Dana White get it wrong. But that, along with them, you know, I guess not applying sound logic to why they do what they do does make it more frustrating than it should be. I kind of liked it before when it was honestly like, we're only giving one out here, dog, and it's going to be a, a Bonner and Griffin night when we do two and everyone goes, oh, wow, yeah, okay, two's fair, you know, but now it's like winning your it's, it's it, This frustrates me as much as the uh, the finishing bonuses, you know, like, oh, they all finish, so they all get a bonus, and then next week, um, yeah, just 200K. It's frustrating, dude. It really is, like, the, like even the Bo Nickel thing, where um, the way I guess I break it down when it's all said and done is you either made a really shitty decision, or going in, you had no chance for this man to do that and pulled the wool over all our eyes. Because what was the point of doing that then? Right? It's one or the other. That's what I don't understand. And um, yeah, it's just been too many of those. Like I, I don't know. I'm just kind of get over it. Yeah, and it's your sixth season. You, your game should be tight at this point. Like, that's first season mistakes. You know, right. that's what I would expect Bellator when they did Fight Master and they're kind of still kind of trying to figure things out on the fly or whatever. Or I remember PFL, they did some stuff early this year with Ray Lewis and Ari from Entourage. What's his name? Jeremy Piven. And, you know, they were trying to sort things out. No, man, it's Dana White Contender Series season six. Like, kind of, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Um, this weekend is Cyril Gon versus Tai Tuivasa, Whitaker versus Marvin Vittori. I love when it's a one-two punch like that. The rest of the card can suck balls all they want, but if you give me a solid main and a co-main, mm-hmm. how can the rest not be gravy? But to be fair, McDessey versus Hackfrass, I'm looking forward to that. Nathaniel Wood versus Charles Jordan, that's going to be a good one too. So definitely tune into that one, folks. The UFC is in Paris this weekend, September 3rd, first time in the country of France. MMA is kind of fairly new in France. Uh, Only Bellator, I believe, has been there before twice. So uh, the UFC making its debut. Congrats to them. Uh, All right, before we close, I think Goes has something he wants to share with the audience. Well, you know, I think I'm pretty sure I've been pretty open about all this because it's been going on for so long. And you guys who have been listening have probably noticed a little difference in my voice from time to time. And I am actually going to be going in on Tuesday for a procedure. So thoughts and prayers. Uh, It's nothing too major, but anytime anything like that happens, it's always nice to have a a little bit of junky nation behind you. But I'm going to this ear, nose and throat consultants. It's down now. you know, a little past Summerlin, Georgia. I went there the other day. I, I, I think I mentioned this a little bit on another show, but um, basically I've had this really bad sinus infection that has gotten to the point where I finally get this appointment, right? I've had to go to ER three times, and each time I get somewhat close to being better, and it just comes back, and that's why I sound so plugged up. And a couple of people have told me they've noticed it, and George, you've noticed it firsthand. I've been like a wreck some days, and then some days it come, 
I get back to normal, somewhat back to normal. But uh, finally, I went in and props to Dr. Ashley Seacan, who I'm, I'm going to be seeing on Tuesday. Super cool cat. They took a CT scan of my head, George, mm-hmm. and I showed it to you. And right away, people look at it. And I did the same thing. There's this little black area. I'm like, oh, my God, what is that? And they were like, no, man, that's actually the good area. Like, the rest of your face is supposed to look like that. Everything else is just cloudy with gunk and stuff that I have stuck in my sinuses. So they're going to stick a little balloon, man, in my nose. They're going to open it up, stick some tubes down there, suck up all this bad crap I have all over my face and my nose and all that. And uh, probably not going to be fun. But if anything, this place was, like, pretty cool in the sense that uh, when do you ever get to a doctor's appointment early? And they go, hey, you're early. We could take you now. They took me early. They brought me in. Everybody was super cool. And, and yeah, man, it's go time on Tuesday. So uh, yeah, I should be okay. I think when I get out, I'll just have a little bit of swelling, maybe a little bit of a bloody nose, and be a little groggy from whatever they give me. I'll, uh, I'll have something covering my eyes as they do it. But uh, I don't know. I trust these guys, and we'll see what happens, man. But. Uh, a little nervous, a little, little nervous. And so I guess hopefully by the time we do the show on Thursday, I'll have a little bit of a finality for you guys that this will all be over. And uh, hopefully I'll just be back on uh, a normal path. You know, I'm 43 years old. I'm going on 44. I've never really had very major things happen to me. But this has been a son of a bitch, dude. And so finally being able to hear a doctor tell you, hey, man, I do this all the time. You're going to be good put me at ease and, and we'll see what happens dude but uh george will be my driver to and from i don't know if he's going to want to go in and, and actually witness it but i think they said you could so if you want to record it or put up any parts of it for people to see you guys are more than welcome welcome i know i'm gonna look like a dipshit with live that. stream yeah i don't know if they let you do that but they have to cover my eyes you know because they use like a bright light and then uh yeah what would gross you out if they pulled out a band-aid, an old band-aid, an old rubber band, or an old orange peel, like a peel from an orange. Probably a so let's, let's say you're out, but not completely. So you're not feeling pain, but you can see what's happening. So the grossness of whatever they're pulling out can still gross you out. Which one would be the worst out of those three? The band-aid would be the worst because I'd be thinking, like, how the hell did I get that up there? It's already, like, embarrassing, you know, when you go in because, like, I keep asking, like, how did I get this? How did I get this? And they're like, there's so many ways you can get it. But I think that's their nice way of going, I don't know, you probably fucking pick your nose all the time or something. I'm not really, like, obviously everybody does it, but I'm not that dude that's just constantly digging for gold up there. I really don't know how I did this. So um, we're going to find out. But, yeah, dude, that uh, that's my biggest concern. It's probably like, you know how I've been when I was a kid. If you barely tap my nose, I'll start sneezing or, right. or um, even like doing that gagging noise, you know, and everybody's around me. I'm sitting there. I probably don't want that to happen, but they've been pretty cool, man. They seem like they know what they're doing. Dr. Ashley's pretty cool. Uh, nice guy. He's got like this cool, soothing voice, George. You're going to crack up when you hear him. It's like uh, you would want him to read everything to you when you go to bed. Mm-hmm. He's got that like Morgan Freeman type voice. Like, like Muna? Yeah, like Muna. From San Francisco, and then they and they keep texting me these videos of like what to expect, how it's going to go down. So like, I mean, there's no surprises. I'm not going to walk in and they're going to have a, a drill all of a sudden or something like that. Like, I know what's going to happen. So we'll see, dude. But yeah, it's going down Tuesday. 
All right, let me try three more. What would be grosser if they found one of the wisdom teeth that you were supposedly pulled by Dr. Kim about two years ago? Yeah. Um, one of Max's old toenails? Dude, I'm already gagging. This is horrible. <laughs> I can't imagine what it's going to be like. Oh, man. Okay, I guess, yeah, pick one of those two then. The toenail, or what was the other one? One of Max's old toenails, or one of your old wisdom teeth that Dr. Kim thought he had gotten out, but he didn't get it up. The wisdom tooth thing would, would drive me crazy. Worse than yeah. Max's toenail? Not yeah, Yogi. I, not little Yogi, who's pure and still a puppy. Old ass Max, when he was like 17 or something. There is no explanation as how I could get a dog's toenail in my nose. Well, I think all of these are pretty far-fetched, so let's throw that out the window. But at least, At least the wisdom teeth were in my mouth. But I was so mad at my wisdom teeth for so many years that I, and I was mad when the doctor pulled them out that he didn't save them because I actually wanted to grind them down and burn them. That's how much I hated them. So to know that the whole time he was still there, that would, that would drive me crazy. But I, I couldn't imagine even looking these people in the eyes if they pulled something like that out of my nose. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, so that's Tuesday, and yeah, whatever permission I get, I maybe I'll, I'll I'll get savvy on social media. I think my I think Abby is back from the uh, from his vacation. He's usually pretty pretty creative when it's stuff when it's stuff that revolves around embarrassing goes around goes yeah. around. Folks, thanks for tuning in on a Sunday night for your Monday delivery. We appreciate you as always. Keep it locked on MMA Junkie throughout the week. Check us out on Spinning Backclick, which drops every. Monday, uh, Tuesday for now, but I think we're going to move that up. Go to youtube.com forward slash MMA Junkie Video. Subscribe. I mean, aside from just that video franchise, it is just an outstanding channel with tons and tons of coverage from Dana White Contender Series to one championship to obviously the UFC and Bellator and PFL and anything you can name that you can think of. Legend to Legend, rankings report back in the day old junkie radio episodes i mean it is just stocked and full of content so subscribe to that and follow us on social media i'm at mma junkie george goes is at the goes that works for both twitter and instagram we're out of here enjoy the rest of your weekend we'll talk to you uh on wednesday and thursday one of those days we'll talk to you soon go out and be a champion